Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Good morning. Our reading this morning will be from Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the ministry that made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the ministry of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God, holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is is through, excuse me, this mystery is that through the gospel of the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given through the working of his power although I am less than the least of all God's people this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of his ministry which was for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things this intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which was accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in me. No, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. Thanks, Rodney, for reading that. Uh, Before I get into the meat of my message for today, I want to thank you for your prayers during our recent trip to House Edelweiss in Austria, where we worked and taught for TCMI International. During 2023, TCM is completing 60 years of service in Europe and beyond. What began as an outreach behind the Iron Curtain has developed into an accredited graduate-level educational institution, providing training for church leaders for significant service in 45 countries across Eastern Europe, Western Asia, North America, and East Africa. There are presently over 700 graduates serving churches and other Christian organizations around the world. Christian higher education is offered in several different formats, totally online, hybrid format at House Edelweiss, or in-country at various learning centers through churches and other partnership organizations. The hybrid courses are three months long and begin and end online with with 25 hours of face-to-face interaction in the middle. 
This summer, I taught a course on pastoral counseling for marriage and family that began in early July and is just now wrapping up. I had four students during our time in in Austria, uh, four students face-to-face, and three more online who were unable to attend in person due to travel restrictions uh, because of the war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, In all, uh, the students in my class were from Hungary, Czech, Moldova, Kazakhstan, Kenya, and Russia. And if you're like me, you probably don't even know where some of those places are. There were four classes meeting during the time we were there. Uh, Their enrollment is is down, and it's still struggling to recover after COVID and now the the, uh, Russo-Ukrainian War. Um, Nevertheless, we had over 20 face-to-face students, about 20 volunteers, and about 20 full-time staff on campus. Volunteers, including our own group, served 12-hour days in one of three areas, kitchen, guest services, and maintenance and gardening. Our group included Dorothy and me, Lyle Dietz, his daughter Tamara, and grandchildren Zoe and Gavin, uh, Lynn Swiggum, and Jean Zarling from Plainview. We also got to work with Mike and Sue Benson, former members here at Marion. We're, we're returning, <clears throat> we're planning to return next year, same time, August 18th through 30th. If you're interested, we're looking for six people to go along with us. And you can talk to me or Dorothy about that, or others who have been before. They could answer some of your questions. Uh, But uh, I know it sounds like a long way off next August, but we'll likely need to purchase airline tickets uh, early in the new year. So there is some sense of urgency about it. So if you're interested, let us know. Uh, Now, don't get impatient with me. I have one more story to tell. And hopefully by the end of the message, you'll understand that all of this is relevant to our text for today. Uh, We first met Andre Pazinin and his wife, Oksana, and their three sons on our first visit to House Edelweiss in 2015. They were newly arrived from Ukraine as refugees when hostilities first began with Russia and its annexation of Crimea. Andre is Russian and Oksana is Ukrainian, and they could not continue to live in Ukraine, in the area they were in. They fled in a hurry, leaving laundry on the clothesline, and wound up at House Edelweiss as academic dean and librarian. During this year's visit, we learned that early on, Andre had established a Bible study in Vienna among Ukrainians there, eventually becoming a church of about 40 people. The Sunday after Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022, the church was standing room only. Since then, they have continued to grow and now number about 200 people, many of whom are not yet believers, but seeking hope and consolation from Jesus Christ. The church has helped many refugees with governmental paperwork and with classes on marriage and parenting. 
to name just a couple of their attempts to meet the needs of these folks. <coughs> I had the opportunity to preach to them a message about Joshua and Caleb, which reminded them in the midst of their troubles to be strong and courageous. Dorothy and I were truly blessed to worship with them, even though we speak no Ukrainian and most of them spoke no English. The service was about two hours long, only a part of which was due to the translation of the sermon. They had an excellent worship band, a presentation of one of the church's core values, several special musical numbers by people of various ages, a presentation by the Sunday school children of what they had learned that day, a prayer time in which many spontaneously offered their concerns to God. The congregation was also introduced to and encouraged to pray for four young people and their mentors as they are preparing for baptism in the near future. And it all ended with a fellowship meal, a weekly occurrence. I could go on, but we must get to the task at hand this morning. <clears throat> if you're my age or close, you may remember a TV game show that aired 680 episodes for 15 years, beginning in 1952. Now, I don't go back quite that far. A panel of four celebrities took turns asking questions of a guest contestant. The contestant came onto the set and announced, my name is, and I've got a secret. He would then whisper his secret to the host, and in text overlay on the bottom of the screen, the TV audience would learn something about this contestant that was unusual, amazing, embarrassing, or humorous. It usually involved something that happened to the contestant, something owned by the contestant, or a notable occupation, hobby, achievement, or skill. The host would give the panel one clue, and then the questioning would begin as the panelists asked yes or no questions. It was all great fun, and if you covered your eyes at the beginning, you could guess the contestant's secret right along with the stars. Secrets can be fun, but they can also be hurtful if you're on the guessing side and someone uh, else is taunting you about what they know and you don't. Um, <clears throat> who hasn't been bullied by someone on the playground? I've got a secret, na 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 na. Or, I know something you don't know. You feel like an alien, an outsider. When I was in about fifth grade, some of the kids in my class began to whisper to one another and speaking in code about what they called PC. Uh, I couldn't puzzle it out. I had no clue what they were talking about. Um, <clears throat> I wondered why my friends were being so secretive and why I wasn't included in their scheming. Then came the day that I was let in on the secret. The father of one of the girls in the class was a child psychologist, CP, which they reversed to PC to make it harder for any uninitiated person to guess. Anyway, this dad was taking small groups of students from the class 
to participate as he made presentations <clears throat> at various restaurants in the area. In other words, we were his research assistants, also known as guinea pigs. I can say, though, it felt much better being an insider than an outsider. And if you've ever been on the outside, I feel your pain. In our study of Ephesians, we have observed that Paul spent the first two chapters talking about God's eternal plan for the world as fulfilled in Jesus. Last week we learned that God's goal was reconciliation for all people, Jews and Gentiles, to him and to one another through Jesus our peace. <coughs> Just as in the first three chapters of the book of Romans, he establishes for both Jews and Gentiles the need for God's work through Christ. The Jews definitely had an advantage over the Gentiles, both spiritually and socially. The Jews were heirs of God's promises through their ancestor Abraham, including the promise of the coming Messiah. They were God's chosen people. They had the instruction of the law, the scriptures. But what does God say, what does Paul say about the Gentiles in chapter 2, verse 12? He says they're separate from Christ, the Messiah, excluded. Excluded from citizenship in Israel, not descendants of Jacob, not part of the 12 tribes, excluded. Foreigners to the covenants of the promise. All the promises made to the Jews were not made to the Gentiles, excluded. Thank you so much. Uh, <clears throat> Without hope, excluded. Without God in the world, excluded. The gavel keeps ringing over and over again. Lest both Jews and Gentiles fail to understand the position of the Gentiles apart from Christ. One of the biggest questions the early Jewish believers in Christ had to face was this. Now that Jesus has come, what do we do about the Gentiles? I think in today's text that Rodney read for us from uh, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, Paul answers that question very much as an insider, but as one whose perspective has been changed over time. In chapter 3, verse 1, he begins a prayer for his Gentile readers, but before he can complete it, his thoughts are interrupted, and he launches into another topic. He declares his status, first of all, as a prisoner. Now, we believe at this point in, in his life, he truly was literally imprisoned, as he writes. But that doesn't seem to be the focus of what he's about to say. Notice he doesn't say he's a prisoner of Rome, or he's a prisoner of the Jewish authorities. He says he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. He is willing to undergo incarceration if it means they will be saved. But more than that, he is already a prisoner to the will of Jesus Christ for them. God gave him a commission, a, a task to fulfill, 
a new direction for his life that he never could have imagined in previous years. He's a distributor of God's grace for the Gentiles. What do we do about the Gentiles? Paul has the answer. Not only for the Gentiles of his own generation, but for us too, assuming you, like me, are a Gentile. We're no longer excluded, but participants. How does that work? Did you notice in this passage, there's a word that appeared five times in those few short verses, and it's the word mystery. What does Paul mean by mystery? I know what we sometimes think of when we talk about mystery. We think maybe Paul is setting us up for an Agatha Christie-like surprise. Well, in a way, in the sense that no one expects this ending for the Gentiles. However, the word mystery might best be uh, translated or described as secret. This secret was kept hidden until the appropriate time. It's been a part of God's plan from eternity. That plan we learned about in chapters 1 and 2. But it's only finally made known in the coming and sacrificial death of Jesus. The secret is out. But only because God has chosen to reveal it to us. It's no longer a secret. It's now good news that needs to be told. And Paul admits that he and the other apostles and prophets are prepared by God's Holy Spirit to, uh, to understand and proclaim this secret that's no longer a secret. And here it is. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Included. Uh, they are members together of one body, included, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ, included. How much more inclusive can God be? Through what Christ has done, the Gentiles now have status, no longer excluded, but included. That's good news. But what has to happen to make news truly good. It has to be told. Paul identifies himself as an apostle to the Gentiles, not just to them, but especially for them. God revealed to him the answer to the Gentiles' problem and sent him out to proclaim that message. Now, in doing that, Paul was always aware of his past, how he had persecuted believers in Jesus even to the point of death. And he understood God's grace because he was a recipient of it in a very powerful way. The one who formerly jailed Christians was now a prisoner himself of Jesus Christ. And we see his passion for the Gentiles over and over throughout his ministry and his writings. God used Paul and the other apostles mightily to reveal to others what they had not realized before. But Paul and the others eventually all died. 
Did God's plan die with them? Well, we would say not, because it's an eternal plan. Was God's plan once more shrouded in secrecy, waiting for more revelation? No. Here's the answer. Look at verse 10. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are a part of God's plan, not just as recipients of salvation, but um, as the assembly of believers who share the good news with the world. As we live our lives and transform the world, we testify to all of creation, even the ranks of angels, that God's plan is for all. The church of Jesus Christ is on mission for God. God didn't have to arrange things as he did. He chose to involve us as his agents. It's so easy for us to think someone else should be proclaiming the good news. Someone older, someone more knowledgeable, someone with greater intellect or speaking skills, <clears throat> someone more spiritual or holier. But the truth is, if you have been transformed by the message of the good news about Jesus Christ... <clears throat> then you are just as capable as anyone else. What a shame. What a tragedy if the secret remains hidden. It's no longer a secret. We know what God has done through Christ. We know His eternal plan is for all people. But they have to hear and believe before they can respond. Are we keeping the secret from those who need to hear it most. Are you lacking in boldness? Through our faith in Jesus, our relationship with Him, we can approach the Father with freedom and confidence. <clears throat> Do you remember the story of Queen Esther? She needed to save her fellow Jews by interceding with King Artaxerxes. But as a mighty monarch... One had to be summoned by him. You didn't ordinarily just waltz into his presence and have an audience with him. If he didn't want to talk to you, he could have you killed. But Esther had an important mission. She did not let her fear stop her. She acted with boldness and confidence. Now, think of God as the king of of the universe, the creator of all things and all people. Paul tells the Ephesians and us that through Christ we can come before God with freedom and confidence with our request. <clears throat> Such boldness before God should certainly give us boldness in our witness to others. 
even suffering and persecution, should not be a cause for discouragement because we are on mission for God. The Ukrainians I met in Vienna don't know what the future holds. Will they return home? Do they have a home? Will they stay in Vienna? Will they go elsewhere? But in spite of all of that uncertainty, they haven't stopped proclaiming the goodness of God. These believers keep no secrets, but share the good news with their neighbors and family. At the end of today's text in verse 13, Paul tells his readers not to be discouraged because of his sufferings for them. Because his suffering for the sake of the gospel will bring glory to the Gentiles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 24 through 28, Paul recounts the extent of his sufferings. Here's what he says. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. <clears throat> I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. <clears throat> One of my students from Kazakhstan was a longtime oil field engineer, wrote to me, this is what he said, we are refugees, me, my wife, and my children. We were expelled from our country and fled abroad. Therefore, it is difficult for me to concentrate on my studies. Lots of stressful moments, but I can handle it. We can handle it. We can endure. No more secrets. We have good news, and we can shout it from the rooftops. Thank you.